You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. Well, Father, you are indeed a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's your very being, goodness, kindness, mercy, grace, love. Father, thank you. Thank you that you do not change. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no matter the season we're going through right now, no matter what has happened on the way to church today, no matter what will be facing us when we go back home or to the workplace tomorrow, our echo can still be, you're a good, good father, because you don't change. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would continue to meet with us now. Father, continue to open every eye to see, ear to hear, and heart to respond, what you would say to your church this morning, what you would say to each person here specifically. Father, that we would leave here saying, truly, we've just encountered Jesus Christ, And I can't be the same, but more so, I don't want to be the same. I am changed more into the image of Christ today through the awesome power of your living and active work. God, would you do this? It's not too much to ask, because you can. And so I pray that you would come, come and minister to us. Say what you want to say. I pray every word that is preached here this morning be faithful to yours, and that you would receive so much glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Harvest Brampton. It is, um, I mean this completely, on behalf of my family and I, uh, you are loved so much. And it is such a privilege to be here, to be home again, ministering the word of God with you. And... um, I just want to say off the top, thank you so much for your prayers for our family. It's so easy to go out of sight, out of mind, and uh, I just want to thank you. We feel them, we need them, and we appreciate them very much. Without prayer, uh, we're dead, right? Without prayer, this church doesn't get planted. Without prayer, we don't see all that God wants to do, so thank you for that. And I just wanted to give you a snapshot of what God is doing as Chris mentioned earlier, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, we will be moving to Ottawa permanently. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow morning. And so please pray for us. As Chris said, our, some of our family is sick right now. And you know what that is, trying to get everyone assembled on a five-hour car ride with that going on as well. Um, I just want to give you a snapshot of what's happening in our core group. Uh, the Lord is stirring hearts from all over the place. It is so humbling to see what he's doing. There are now people in our core group, praise the Lord, from almost an hour from both sides of the city of Ottawa, drawing in. And that's not even to mention the people from Quebec that are now in the core group. And you know, Chris told you, you know the odds that are going on there for the gospel spreading, but no odds are too great for our God. Amen? And so we are seeing that happen. Our next vision night is June 17th, so just over two weeks from now. Please be in prayer for that. Please be in prayer that God would continue to stir many hearts and that he would sow seeds for eternity there and and give clarity as to who he is calling 
to be a part of what, Lord willing, will be the launch of Harvest Bible Chapel, Ottawa, this fall. Can you believe we're talking about this? Amen. Go, Lord. Go, Lord. And uh, so thank you for your prayers, and I look forward to, in the coming months, Lord willing, give you, giving you updates as the Lord continues to build his church. So we wanted to share that with you, and, and the ushers are coming forward now, and they have Bibles with them. And if you have no Bible with you today, please put up your hand, because we want to put one in your lap so that you can follow along the Word of God with us this morning. If you don't have one at home, uh, please keep that as our gift to you. We want to give that to you so you can continue to study God's Word on your own. And the message title this morning is, uh, This Changes My Purpose. This changes my purpose. You've been in a series called How the Gospel Changes Everything, and now we're landing on how the gospel changes our purpose. The text we're looking at is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And as you're flipping there, um, I have a question for you. And it is this. Uh, What's the purpose of your life? It's kind of a big one to start the day off with, amen? But what is the purpose of your life? I mean, why are you here? Why are you here? I mean, can you honestly, can you honestly answer that question and know that you're right in your response? Okay, how do you know that you're right? How do you know? How do you know that what the purpose you're living for right now is the purpose you were created for? And you see, this is, this is one of the biggest questions that philosophers have wrestled with over centuries. And the one, the one which we struggle with the most today. There are literally billions of people struggling and lost right now because this question remains unanswered in their lives and they are trying desperately to find the answer in ways that will never lead them there why is that why is that because there's only one right answer to that question and there's only one place it can be found And over the last several weeks, you've been looking at how the gospel of Jesus Christ causes us not to be able to look at anything the same, and it literally changes everything, including how this question of our purpose is answered. And here in this text that we're going to look at this morning, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, gives the two life-changing truths that come from how this one answer changes how we live out the only purpose that we were intended to have. Let's look at the text. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Straining toward the goal. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. This is Paul writing. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, when my purpose changes, I will pursue Christ's image. 
When my purpose changes, I will pursue Christ's image. Look at verse 12. It says this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. You see there where in the first part of that verse where Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. See, the this that Paul is talking about there is the complete or perfect sanctification in Jesus Christ, which he had been speaking of in the first 11 verses of this chapter. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. That's what he's talking about. I consider all loss except for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And this was the sole purpose for his life, and subsequently for our lives as well. And you say, well, wait a second, sanctification, that's a big word. Well, let's get a definition of that. You'll see a definition on the screen that John Piper boils this down really, really beautifully. He says, sanctification is just a pro- gradual process of our becoming holy. Gradual is a key word on that. The gradual process of our becoming holy, taking on the image of Jesus Christ more and more. Okay? So let's do a little kingdom mathematics here, okay? Complete or perfect sanctification, what Paul's talking about, not that I'm already perfect, that perfected sanctification equals complete or perfect Christ-likeness, okay? So complete sanctification equals complete Christ-likeness, which is having the image of God in us with no sin. (laughs) How many of us here are like that already? Ah, you're paying attention. Praise the Lord. Good, we got unity. This is great. See, Paul wants the church in Philippi to know, here's the deal. He's not a perfect Christian. And he didn't want to give them the idea that he was no longer a sinner. There is no perfect Christian, nor will there ever be on this side of eternity. Okay? At this side of heaven, we will continue to sin. Okay? And we will continue in this process of sanctification. And instead... What Paul is showing is his dissatisfaction in where he is in his walk with the Lord as his flesh is still waging war with the sinful desires against Christ's image being developed in him, even though his desire was to be more like Christ. The flesh is battling against the Spirit of God. Okay? And notice what he says here in the second part of verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Here it is. But I press on to make it my own. I press on to make it my own. That term press on there in the original language, the original Greek means to move swiftly to reach the goal. Okay, it's the picture. Paul's using an athletic picture here. It's the picture of a sprinter straining with passion, energy, and aggressive action. You see that picture on the screen? You see those guys? Muscles flexed, head down, all in, let's go. This is the picture of what Paul's talking about, of pressing on. And Paul is pursuing sanctification into the image of Christ with all the energy, passion, and strength. Here's a key right here. That the Lord gave him to do so. The Lord had to give him the strength for it. He was all in, no matter the cost, no matter the end. There was no cost too high and no greater pursuit that he could ever have. And here's why. Here's why best part of this verse right here. Look at the back end of verse 12. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. That's the gospel. 
That's the gospel right there, that Jesus Christ has made him his own. And Paul states that because of receiving what Christ has done for him, receiving forgiveness of sin, in granting him salvation by coming to earth and dying on the cross for his sins, Paul can now go hard in the Lord's strength in to pursue the image of Christ in his life by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him, which he received the moment he confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That is awesome. That is awesome. This is the beautiful truth of the gospel. And I love how 2 Corinthians 5.21 states this. You'll see it on the screen. It says this. For our sake, that's you and me. Our sake, he being God, made him, Jesus Christ, his only son, to be sin. Who knew no sin. Jesus was a perfect human being in his time here on earth. Fully God, fully man. Look at this. So that in him, that in him changes everything. In him, we might become the righteousness of God. Staggering. But we have to be clear about something here. Paul is not working for his salvation here, okay? He's not working for his salvation, but was now working out his salvation by the strength that God provided. Wasn't working for it. He can't earn that on his own strength. He was working out his salvation by the strength God provided. You see this? The inner regeneration he received through Jesus Christ was now leading his transformation into the image of Christ, the inner regeneration he received was now leading his transformation into God's image. That's magnificent. And his purpose had now changed to the very purpose that he and all of us were created for. Here's the answer to the question to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the answer to the question of what is my purpose? There it is. For you, for me, and for the 8 billion other people on this planet, that is the answer to the question. There is no other purpose we have. So live in the text. Live in the text with me here for a moment. In essence, what Paul is saying, if we could shrink this all down, he's saying here, I'm not where I was but I'm not where I want to be. I'm not the same guy I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be because I want to obtain all of Christ's likeness. Okay? I haven't obtained it yet, but by God's grace, I'm pressing on into the image of Christ. And this same, you see what's happening here? This same holy dissatisfaction in where we are in our pursuit of Christ is absolutely crucial in our lives. And here's why. Here's why we need to be dissatisfied with this. Because we only continue to pursue something when we are not satisfied with how much of it we have. We only continue to pursue something when we are not satisfied with how much of it we have. In speaking of our pursuit of Christ, sanctification, C.S. Lewis stated this. You'll see it on the screen from uh, his book, The Weight of Glory. It said, it would seem... That our Lord finds our desires for him not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. Is that not what the world's pushing, right? Find your purpose in these things. 
Find your purpose in these things. But look at this. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. I was so humbled by that this week, so sober, put me on my knees so quickly. I'm far too easily pleased with where I'm at with the Lord. And you see, loved ones, our pursuit of Christ's image in us must begin with this sense of honesty and dissatisfaction of where we are at or we will cease to pursue him because we are far too easily pleased. So how about you? How about me? What is the greatest pursuit or pursuits that you're pressing on towards right now? Just take a moment. Write it down on your sermon. What are you pursuing right now as some of the most important things in your life? Just take a moment. Write it down. You know, as we get closer, by God's grace, to seeing the church planted, I have to, please pray for me this, I have to fight this every day. Instead of pursuing Christ's image in my life, I start pursuing a bigger core group. I start pursuing where the finances are going to come from to finance Harvest Ottawa's launch. I start pursuing what facility we're going to be in. Mud pies compared to the purpose of our life. I have to fight it every day. And so what is it for you? What is it for you? Maybe for some of us it's our job or success. If I just get to the next rung of the corporate ladder, if I just get a job, if I just, if I just get that, I'll make that my pursuit, and then, oh, yeah, okay, God will come later. What about this? For some of us, it's our kids. Like, if my kids just behave a certain way, and if they, if they have a good reputation, if they get into the schools, if, if I can be looked upon as a good parent. Like, yeah, okay. Real truth. You know what the greatest thing your kids need from you parents is? We saw child dedication today. You know what the greatest need is? Your personal holiness in Jesus Christ. That's what they need from you. More than a gift, a material gift, that is the greatest gift because everything that we can do in discipling them flows out of there. You know what the greatest thing Harvest Ottawa needs from me, and this shudders me, is my personal holiness in Jesus Christ. I can't lead them to a place I'm not going myself. You know, maybe for some of us it's here, it's the pursuit is getting a spouse. Oh, I just want to get married. Why, are my, why am I still single? Why am I still... And we've put God secondary in our pursuit of him. About our entertainment choices, our finances, or the material possessions. If I just had, if I just had, what is it for you? What is it for you this morning? And you may say, you may be saying here, you know, well, I want to pursue the image of Christ. What does this even look like? How do I walk in the only purpose I was created for? What does this even look like? Well, here's four things to get us started. Number one is this. We pursue the image of Christ through his word. Through his word. Opening up every single day. John 17, 17. I love how Jesus prays this. He goes, sanctify them, his disciples, his people in the truth. Why? Because his word is truth. 
the word brings our sanctification because this isn't just a book. It's living and active. And as we open it every day and it gets inside of us, we become living and active in our pursuit of Jesus Christ and his image in our lives. The first way, through the word. Second way, four things just to help pursuing Christ's image in our lives. Number two is through prayer. Through prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. It means pray and don't stop praying. Praying for more of God and less of us. Praying that he would increase, that we would decrease. Praying for greater humility and dependency before him and greater hunger for him. Prayer, here it is, here it is. Four things that we can do to be pursuing Christ's image in our lives through his word, through prayer. Here it is, here it is. Through the church. Through the church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, don't forsake meeting together. But all the more as you see the day, the same day Paul's going to be talking about in the next verse, the day of Christ, all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, I hear, this, this grieves my heart when I hear people say, I love Jesus, I just don't love his church. That's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Because embracing Jesus Christ means embracing his church. The church is his prize. He gave his life for it. It is his greatest passion and it will not be defeated. Pressing into Jesus Christ means pressing in to his church. And I know some people have been hurt in church. Listen, we're sinners, saved by grace, but we are still sinners and we're not perfect. And so we can have a lot of excuses to avoid it, but loved ones, let me exhort you, do not stop pressing into his church. It is his means of sanctification in our lives. Lastly, four things to get... Uh, to help us in pursuing the image of Jesus Christ in our lives. Number one, through his word. Number two, through prayer. Number three, through the church. Here's the last one. Uh, Through repentance. Through repentance. James 4, 6 says, uh, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's actively opposing the proud. He cannot bless an unrepentant heart. And so pursuing the image of Jesus Christ is pursuing repentance in our lives. Search me, O God, know my heart, test my anxious thoughts, and see where the offensive ways are in me, and lead me in the path everlasting. It is a hard point to get to, because it involves our pride getting crushed, but it is so freeing. There is so much freedom in repentance. There is so much freedom there, and His grace rushes in. You see, loved ones... Becoming like Christ only happens by looking to Christ. There's only one answer. Becoming like Christ only happens by looking to Christ. And yet, so many Christians, myself included, church, have fallen into the trap of thinking that pursuing the image of Christ in our lives is a secondary thing. Yet the single biggest, the single biggest thing that we fail to realize is that pursuing anything but Christ's image in our lives is ultimately saying to God that we don't believe that our greatest pursuit that we could ever have is him. That's a sobering word for me this morning. Help us, Lord. Help us to live like that is true. That you're our only pursuit. You see... There's nothing else worth living for because the reality is this, church. There is nothing else that will last. 
He's it. He's all we need. Heaven and earth will pass away. And instead of pressing on with passion to make it our own, we become content with the mud pies of this world and our lives become characterized by apathy, complacency, and passivity in our walk with Christ. And we miss out on or minimize the very purpose for which we were created. The one thing that is needed. And yet... Through the saving and sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ, God gave us what we don't deserve and has made a way for us to pursue him in being changed into the image of Christ through the supernatural strength that he provides and promises to supply to see this good work brought to completion. What a loving God. What a loving God, look at, look at this, Philippians 1.6. Look at this promise he makes. Notice the language here. And I am sure of this, Paul says later, earlier in the chapter. I am sure of this, that he, Jesus Christ, who began a good work in you. Look at this, ready? Christ this. So bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The same day Paul will go on to talk about right here. And you see, our pursuit of Christ must come from our pursuit in Christ. We can't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves, loved ones. It doesn't matter how hard we try or what we try to pursue. We cannot do it without him. We cannot earn it and we will fail every time trying to. I love this. If I could sum that up, I'd say it this way for you. His supernatural work must come from working it out in his supernatural strength. His supernatural work of conforming us to his image must come from working it out with fear and trembling in his supernatural strength. (laughs) And this should throw us desperately upon him day by day in humility and dependence because the reality is this, apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. We can do nothing to pursue our purpose that we were created for. This changes disciple your kid. It changes how you send your emails. It changes how you disciple your kids. It changes how you lay your life down for your spouse. It changes everything when the pursuit of Christ is our greatest passion. And when my purpose changes, I will stop pursuing the mud pies of this world and will pursue Christ's image. And as we begin to pursue his image, we begin to prize his presence. As we begin to pursue his image, we will prize his presence. Look at verses 13. I consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see there where Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 13, there's two key things he says right there. Did you catch them? Two key things. Number one is forget. Forget. And what Paul's talking about here is two things we need to be forgetting. Number one is our achievements. Our achievements. 
You see, Paul refuses to dwell on past successes and take glory for past achievements that he has had since becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the temptation would be, as it is for you and me today, the temptation is that in doing this, our dependency then shifts. Did you notice this? When we start to take glory, when we start to let our pride put us on the altar of glory and push God off, we start to take God's glory from him and our dependency shifts from being upon Christ and puts it on ourselves. I've done this before. We can do that again. You know, he's just praying in the back room between services saying, Lord, I can't rest on the achievement of the first service. I can't do that. I need you to fill me again because I got nothing without you. We can't rest on that. Because Paul, like Paul, he knew the sinful desires of his flesh would always want to put himself on the altar of glory and not the Lord. See, in our flesh, here's how our flesh works, okay? Pride always goes before humility. That's our default. That's why it's a fight every day. That's why we need a supernatural strength. Pride always goes before humility in the flesh. So he says, forget achievements. Here's the second thing he says to forget Forget your past sins and failures, forgetting what is behind. This is what he's talking about. Paul knew that even though he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, he was still a sinner and had sinned and failed in the past since coming to Christ. And however, just like his successes, he refused to dwell on and be distracted by those past failures. Otherwise, they would debilitate his present and future efforts. If he's dwelling on his past sin, dwelling on his past failure, debilitation of moving forward. So he says, forgetting what is behind. And notice this. So the first thing he says is to forget. And here's the second thing in this. He says, move forward. Notice there in verse, verse 13, he says, and it's straining forward to what is ahead. See, again, he uses the picture of a racer. That's sprinter, right? Going flat out toward the finish line. Distracted out for what Christ has ahead for him without being distracted. And this was so impressed on my heart this week in preparing this message is this. So many people, so many people, myself included, do not move forward in their pursuit of the image of Christ because they cannot let go of the past, whether in success or failure. Do you realize this? So many of us don't move forward because we can't let go of the past. And I wonder, I wonder, loved ones, how many of us here are being crippled in our pursuit of Christ because we're hanging on to past successes that have deceived us into prideful thinking that our own strength and abilities are enough and we've lost our humility and dependency on Christ every day. Careful there. Careful there. If anyone takes, thinks he's strong or stands, take heed lest he fall. This is a massively subtle shift that pride will take us. Little by little, reclaiming dependency from God and putting it on our... Careful. I mean, when's, when's the last time? When's the last time you prayed for greater humility and dependency before the Lord? careful when you pray that because he'll take you up on it because what he wants for you 
but there's no better place to be. There's no better place to be. And how many of us are being crippled in pursuing Christ because we're hanging on to past sins, failures, or hurts and sitting under the condemnation from them. Some of you may be here and being discouraged. Like, listen, I've tried to pursue Christ. It's so hard. I can't memorize enough verses. I can't read God's word regularly. I can't pray. I don't have time to pray. I'm raising kids. How many of us just get so discouraged and we just want to quit because we're hanging on to the failure in the past? Get up. Keep going. Open it again. Or how many of us are here hanging on to the sinful actions that we've committed in the past? And this is something, loved ones, just a spirit of vulnerability right here. As we get closer and closer to planting Harvest Bible Chapel, Ottawa, the attack of the enemy on myself and my family just increases and increases and increases in increasing measure. And so often you fight the voice of Satan. He looks at you and he says, look at you, man. Look at you. You think you've got anything of credibility? What about that that you did in your past? What about this? Can I remind you of that again? What about your, what about your fear of failure? You know, I just got to push a button and that's going to be back. Look at you. Remember that sinful pattern that you, that you struggled with? That person that you hurt? And that thing you're struggling with? Right? Remember this? Remember that? You're a mess. You are an absolute mess. What makes you think God can use you? That's a day-by-day fight, loved ones. Pray. Pray for our family. Until finally, by God's grace, you get to a point where you can say, yeah, I am a mess. Yeah, I am a mess. But isn't it amazing what God's grace does? Isn't it amazing what God's grace does to redeem a life? I'm a son of the King of kings and Lord of lords. My identity is in who he says I am. You have no say over this life anymore, Satan. My identity is in who he says I am. And because of that, it's a new day in Christ. Amen? It's a new day in Christ. So in your face, Satan. I love, and I pray you're encouraged with this, this promise, Romans 8, 1, you'll see it on the screen. Write it down and memorize this verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are, there's that word again that changes everything, in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. It says this, regret for a sinful past will remain until we truly believe that for us in Christ, that sinful past no longer exists. Boom. The man in Christ, the man or woman in Christ, has only Christ's past, and that is perfect and acceptable to God. Praise God for our Savior. Praise God for our Savior. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm. Stand firm, loved one, in your struggle right now. You stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to that yoke of slavery. It's a new day in Christ. And Jesus Christ came and died for you and I on that cross and paid the penalty for all of these sins that we've done in the past and the ones that will come in the future so that you and I no longer have to live with the condemning sting of regret or the prideful arrogance of self-dependence and can now, for which we were in him, live out the only purpose for which we were made for, which is to, look what Paul says in verse 14, press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal there is Christ-likeness here on earth. As much of Jesus Christ's image we can have in our lives now, in pressing in to pursue his presence with every ounce of strength that he gives. And look at this, the prize of the upward call What's the prize? What's the prize? When Christ would call Paul home to be united with him in his presence in glory for eternity. That's the prize. You see, in that moment, he would have the greatest joy, the greatest satisfaction, the greatest purpose that he, and see face to face the greatest purpose that he was created for. And he will hear these beautiful words saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You didn't stop pressing in. I know it's hard. I know it seems intense and the battle rages, but you didn't stop because greater is he who is in us than great and he who is in the world. Amen? Don't stop straining forward, loved ones. He's completed it. Of what was to come, the prize completed it. Close prize completed it. No pursuit could be greater, and nothing else can come close to this. Mud pies, everything else. And there is a day coming very soon when Christ will call us home. The upward call is at hand. And I exhort you, church, with everything in me to live in the light of that day and let it fuel you to live not with apathy, complacency, and in condemnation from sin, but with a God-given humility, dependency, urgency, and passion to run to run in the strength of Jesus Christ and embrace the only purpose for which you and I were created for in pursuing his image and prizing his presence. Loved ones, run that you may obtain it. Run to win. Run the race. He is worth it all. Because I can guarantee you one thing, and I leave you with this this morning. On that day, the day of our upward call, you will regret nothing about this pursuit and the sacrifices you made.
you will regret nothing. And we will stand, we will stand in the presence of our greatest prize, our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, and say, you were worth it all. Let's pray. All we are, Lord, here before you, reaching out for more. Lord, would you set our hearts on fire for the purpose for which we were created for? To pursue your image, to prize your presence in this life now and in the life to come. Nothing else compares. I pray for those people who walked in here discouraged this morning, who maybe are sitting in apathy or complacency in their walk with you. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. I've tried it. I've tried it again. What's the point? There's a point, and that day's coming. That day's coming. And so help us to live in light of eternity today. I pray for those people who are sitting in the condemnation right now from sins of the past that you have taken and set them free from, but yet we're choosing to be reminded of them and not forgetting what is behind. Lord, help them to know today. Encourage them that it's a new day in Jesus Christ. It is in you and you alone that our identity is found. I also pray, Father, for those people who have never made the decision to trust you as their Lord and Savior. Father, there is no other purpose in our lives but to pursue you. And so I pray that they would stop pursuing today the mud pies of the world, the things that will never last and will come to nothing. And today, take up their cross to follow you, to say, I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. I'm all in, pressing toward the prize. Lord, would you do that today? Stir that heart today, right now, because you are worth it all. Seal this word in our hearts now, Lord, and get so much glory in your church as we press on to pursue you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.